What's up, everybody? This is Chris Askew with the Florida Real Estate Development Channel. I am joined today with Patrick Wolf. I actually have someone in the studio today. Pat, how you doing? Good, Chris. How are you? I am doing very well. Uh, before we get started, I'd just like to say, please give us a sponsor. Hit that tab below. All the money that comes to this channel will help us grow and help kind of bring more information to you. Uh, but listen, today is going to be, you know, something special. Uh, Pat is a, a friend of mine that I've known for a few years, and I met him when I was working at the fire department, and he kind of went on from there, and after the fire department, he, he got hired at a local hospital, and, you know, his role in the hospital is, is what, what is your role at the hospital? So, Chris, I'm an EMS coordinator for, it's in the emergency services department of our hospital, and it directly interfaces with our EMS partners out in the field. So we uh, maintain relationships, uh, provide quality feedback, uh, quality improvement feedback. We offer them training, an opportunity for um, following up on their patients so they can learn from what they've done. Uh, so uh, it's really just building that partnership, having a good relationship, because the care hospitals are delivering obviously starts with 911 uh, EMS out on scene that's they're the first line of defense against something like that so the better relationship we have obviously uh the better it is for everybody well and like i said i, I met you during the fire department and where did you start your career in the fire department <coughs> uh so oddly enough i i started it in uh, orange city uh over in volusia county i started there as a volunteer right behind us <clears throat> yep yeah, one of our uh uh I didn't really know what I wanted to do, and when I started fire school, I met some people that were already volunteering there, and then I also, well, actually, I met somebody before that, and he told me about the volunteer opportunity, and I got in, but a lot of the people that would volunteer there would also be doing their fire and EMT certification while they volunteered, and uh, that kind of helped them with the experience through school, and they learned a lot before they were even fully certified just by volunteering, so. And then you... Went over to, where was it? You went after that, you went to? I went to Sanford. Sanford, Sanford 2006. So uh, Orange City was 2005. Sanford was 2006. And what station were you? I was at station, well, I went all over the place, really. But the majority of my career, I was at station 31. Now, now if you're not familiar with Sanford Fire Department or station 31, it's probably one of the, the busier stations in what? It's, it's definitely the busiest station in Seminole County. Uh, by far. I mean, I, people argue that, you know, station 12 or 13, but I can assure you at station 41 where I am, it is constantly running into station 31's first due because they're always running. It's, I mean, it is non-stop. Talk about a beatdown. And, and it's, they need to do something, honestly, because it's, it's, it's out of control what they're doing there. But we'll get that's another whole other show to really talk about that. So... So you started in the fire department, you transferred over to Sanford, and you started working, and you were, I guess you were transporting patients? Yeah, so um, I started out as a firefighter EMT. Uh, that's how I started my career. Um, and Yeah, just uh, everything from being an EMT on scene or transporting the lower acuity patients to the hospital to, um, you know, firefighting and mopping floors and making beds and all that other stuff. So, And are, are you married? I am. Any kids? No kids yet. Uh huh. You, you need to have some kids. I, I'm having four. I'm, I just found out I'm having another one. I don't know why, but oh my gosh. 
Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a full time job. It is. Oh my! I don't even know how. I'm, I might even get them on this thing and start. You know, have a crew, a whole full time crew with this thing now. Have wow. lights up in here and everything. Look at that. <laughs> so, all right. So, you get married, but while you're in the fire department, you're in Sanford, and then you're going to a hospital. You're transporting these hospitals, and is that how you got transitioned into the new hospital, or was it? How did you end up at this new position? Okay, so. Um, like I said, I started back in 05 as a volunteer, went to Sanford Fire Department as a full-time professional firefighter, EMT. Um, I started as a firefighter EMT because I didn't really think I would have enjoyed being a paramedic. So I was like, oh, no, I'll, I'll wait, hold off on paramedic school because I'm not sure it's something I even want to do. So as time went on and you realize you don't really get much fire, Right. Um, you might get a fire once or twice a month and you're pretty happy about that if you did. If that. Um, but you don't really get a lot of exposure to that in the fire service. Most of your calls you're gonna run are medical calls. And as an EMT on scene, I just felt that after a while that it was just very boring being an EMT. I knew no matter where I went. Other than maybe some BLS, like, trauma stuff, you know, bleeding control and, you know, things like that. It, it was always just, I took vital signs. I took vital signs. I took a blood pressure. You know, I got a glucose. I uh, put up all socks on. You know, I lifted somebody. But after a while, you're pretty good at that, you know. And then you just gets into, like, a repetitive, you know almost robotic thing every mm -hmm. time you respond to a call. It's like, all right, here we go. I'm going to carry the stuff. I'm going to take a blood pressure. I'm going to get a You think it's going to be socks. like a new, they say it's all, oh, every call, you don't know what you're going to get every call. You have no <laughs> idea what you're going to get, but you're always same, doing the same you're doing thing. The same, you know? same five vitals, same report. Yeah. And then, you know, sometimes you're, uh, maybe you as an EMT, you're looking at something and what you think should happen. Like if, you know, especially if you're a good EMT, Sometimes What's you that? see little what things. What is that? Here. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> Sometimes you go see the medic doing something, and you're like, you know, I don't. I really disagree with that. I, I you know, even, I'm an EMT, and even I, do, there's something I don't think that's right. <laughs> he shouldn't have gave that much, or he should have definitely done this. Something that a good EMT would know. Um, but as an EMT, it's hard to, it's hard to make that change. You're you're just an EMT. The paramedic can always say, hey, you're just an EMT. You know, don't worry about it, you know, and it's hard to argue with that. So being a, being a paramedic not only, like, lets me be the one making the decision some of the times, most of the times, when, you know, when you're on the box, uh, it's your, your license, your responsibility, uh, or your certification, I should say. But um, it, it's, it's on you to make those decisions. Um, and when you're not the one that's in charge, if you're just manpower, it's much easier to have that conversation as a medic to another medic uh, than it is an EMT to a medic. Mm -hmm. uh, so you kind of have a leg to stand on when you're, when you, gives you another level of credibility, I guess you could say. Right. So now you're in this hospital, I guess now you're, now you're talking to the doctors more, you're talking to the nurses more. As an EMT, you don't really talk to them. You kind of just sit there and wait till the medic talks this thing and you go clean <coughs> up the, the truck or whatnot. So I guess now you're talking and you get to meet these, these people in those hospitals, I guess. And then 
Is that how you find out that, that there's a position open for this EMS coordinator that, the, that these hospitals are now going to? Yeah, so oddly enough, uh, we'd never heard of the position before or anything like that, but this really strange guy shows up in the ER. You know, this was probably maybe like 07, 08, maybe a little, uh, maybe even a little later than that, but um, maybe like 2010, I can't remember, but this weird guy starts showing up in the ER and he's like all like being nice to us. And like, he's asking us like what we need and what we want. And he comes around the stations and everybody's like, Oh yeah, that's John, John Panzella. He, you know, he used to work for Orlando. He works at CFR now. I know him very well. So we're like, like, Oh, that's cool. What does he do there? Like he's a EMS coordinator. Like, what is that? You know? And that's like, I guess, you know, he was job was to come around to the stations and, visit us and ask us how we were doing and get feedback that we could give to the hospital from, from the field, you know, Hey, your offloads are too slow or your nurses are rude or we don't have any, any place to get a drink. How was it handled before this? The way it was typically done through the ED leadership would have you know, they would maintain some, maintain some relationships out there with our pre-hospital folks to make sure that there is, you know, line of communications and stuff for, for like emergency uh, situations, like disasters, natural disasters, hurricanes, and, you know, if there's a power outage or if we needed to do a mass evacuation. But it wasn't as, it was never uh, somebody's uh, front and center focus. A lot of times it was a side project for somebody who already had a, a lot to do. Uh, so it, weren't, it wasn't always, uh, the hospitals weren't always that accessible. I mean, I, I'm, I'm looking online right now, and I see that, you know, there's multiple jobs for EMS coordinator and all, all over. So, I mean, obviously, it's, it's a growing trend for these hospitals. Now, there's, with all the development, especially in Central Florida, I don't, I don't think there's anywhere, like, I can't say this because I, I haven't really <coughs> looked outside of Florida, but, you know, even down south or even up north, I haven't seen anywhere in Florida that has... Uh, hospitals per square mile than Central Florida. Yeah. I mean, how are there so many hospitals in Central Florida? Like, why is it so much here and not anywhere else? Well, the Orlando market area as a whole, um, right now between uh, UCF College of Medicine and partnerships that they have with hospitals in the in the uh, region, and as far as uh, you look at, uh, like our, we have. Level one trauma centers. We have one. We have multiple level two trauma centers. We have uh, primary and comprehensive stroke centers. We have uh, two comprehensive stroke centers within the Orlando uh, area. Uh, you look at all the pediatric care and all these things they have. There's obviously a market to support it, and there's a lot of young people attracted to Orlando. Young, you know, uh, more uh, affluent young people you know, are attracted to the city of Orlando and some of the surrounding areas. So it's, it's, you got the beaches, you got the theme parks, you got everything you could want. It's Florida. It's, it's a good place to live. So it brings people with money. But what I don't understand is that there's so many, not even just hospitals, there's these standalone hospitals now. So not even just like, you'll see one, you'll see clusters of multiple agencies you know, there's more, I mean, the freestanding ERs. Yeah. So basically, I mean, in central Florida, we have, we have a ORMC, we have Adventist, we have HCA, we have, 
I think I'm missing one. There has to be. Uh, no. I think those are three of the big ones, right? Yeah. Those are the three big ones. And two of those are nonprofit. One of it's for-profit. Um, ORMC, I believe, is probably the largest hospital, I think, in, as far as income-wise and how much they make. I think, they looked, I think I saw when I looked online, they were at the time. It could be. You know, so, but what I don't the whole nonprofit for profit thing, that whole thing is a whole other conversation we could have another day. But what I don't understand is why are they clustering? Why, how, how can they remain in in business and have three or four, you know, three hospitals sit next to each other? So, even though that's worked for them in the past for a long time, so now a lot of what uh, hospitals are doing is focusing on locations for freestanding ERs. And those, you'll build one, it's a smaller building, it's lower cost, it's cheaper to staff, but it's a fully functional ER and it has all the tools and equipment a regular ER would have, but uh, it's more convenient for people. So um, they put these out in the community where they want to get you know, some, some volume fed to them from these areas in the community. So they put a freestanding ER in there, and next thing you know, now you have a feeder branch that goes down to the community that might be 10 miles away from where your main campus is. So it's kind of like a feeding system where um, if, they, if you need quick care, um, we'll get you in and out. But if not, we're going to feed you straight to the main campus and get you the, whatever care you need, even though that freestanding ER has everything it needs to make sure that patient's stable and able to be done, uh, be able to have a transfer done. So. Um, they make it more accessible, success, accessible for people that live in rural communities. A main campus can put a freestanding ER up to 35 miles away from its, uh, from its property. Oh, so there's actually a max distance <clears throat> that they're yep. allowed to put these freestanding. Ah. So, so uh, yeah, 35, 35 miles, miles from the uh, main campus is, that's the outer edge of that circle that says beyond there, you, you can't, you can't. You have to be within that distance. So, so of a main hospital. Of a main hospital. But the main hospital has to be, has to be your hospital. Right. By, exactly. Owned by the same company. Gotcha. Because a freestanding ER is a department of the main hospital. So now what I heard also was that the certificate of need is being taken away. So these hospitals do not need this anymore. It basically means it's, it's free game. It is open game for ambulance companies, hospital, they could put a hospital next to a hospital, private hospital, it doesn't matter anymore, right? Right. So, um, so it wouldn't apply for the uh, ambulances, but it does apply for uh, main campus hospitals. So with the freestanding uh, emergency rooms, one of the big benefits here in Florida for a long time was that you didn't need a certificate of need for a freestanding ER. Now, with the new legislation, you don't need a certificate of need for anything anymore. They did away with it. So now, uh, main hospitals don't have to go through an approval process and prove that there is actually a need within the community that they want to build in. Now it's just, hey, I, I want to buy that land as long as they can buy the land and my, legally build, they can build. There's nothing. My numbers fit my model. Let's do it. Yep. Let's go ahead yep. and make it. Yep. They, their their business analysis. So they're confident. Go for it. So yesterday's show, I had I, I was mobile and I, I was talking. It was a real short show, and I talked about redevelopment of of different of of these big box stores because these things there's 42 big box stores going out of business and i went through the entire list yesterday of big box stores wow i mean it is it's ridiculous how many of these things and malls are going out of business and i, and I talked about how the oviedo mall 
That was uh, the that Macy's. Been, yeah, but the Oviedo Mall. Yeah, it's horrible. <sighs> and it's a nice mall. They just sold the Macy's, and they're building apartments there. Really? Onto the mall. Wow. So, you know, they're, they're having a real, a huge transition with these malls and giant big box stores that are left. Because it used to be 90% of all products were, were bought within four walls. Oh, yeah. Within, that was like a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. Now it's changed over to, it's not that anymore. And, and these things are going out of business. How do we, you know, how do we redevelop them? Well, you got trampoline parks. You got entertainment is really what is majority of what's, t- that in apartments. Yeah. Are really what's taking over these old big box stores. So do you see, what well, I mean, I, do you foresee these hospitals even kind of going after these malls or going after these old, like, you know, the old Lowe's Orchid stores? That are around, you know. There's one in Winter Park right now, just right. for sales, right in the middle of Winter Park. Um, I, I think at least you know, I think that if it met their needs, if there was a building in the community that met their needs and it was zoned for it, and and they needed extra space, whether it be for offices or for primary, you know, you, whatever they want to use it for, um, I think they would do that. I know they've done that in the past. Uh, we, you know, that's a, that's common practice. I would say as hospitals grow, as hospitals grow, sometimes they outgrow what they ever were intended to be. And, uh, uh, there's probably several hospitals like that, uh, in Seminole County alone. If you look at like winter park hospital, it's grown to a point where it's, it's at capacity. So they're having to do remodeling and things like that because the need is, is there for it. Do you see a slowdown at all? Um, At this time, uh, no. At this time, no. I think they had 900 people moving to the state a day. Yeah, if you if you look at the growth that we've had, especially in the Orlando area and in the suburbs of Orlando, you're seeing growth in places that haven't seen construction in 10, 15 years. They can't build them fast enough. Yeah, now they're just, you know, I remember when I was a kid, and I'm sure you do too. You could ride your bike around the neighborhood, see four or five houses under construction. You know, things are growing things are hey new neighbors or it was an it was almost like a weekly thing there would be something somebody moving in or a new house being built uh or starting to be built and uh then all of a sudden after that you know the the economy went downhill down like 2008 the recession there it was a long time before we saw a house under construction i think it, i i think i probably went it seems like it was just recently like yeah. a couple of years ago they started doing yeah. it it seems like yeah I, I feel like i probably went like at least four years without seeing a house least. that was actively under construction. Because there was a lot that went went under while they were under construction and they were left an empty, you know, semi-built home. And then I'm sure that somebody got a really good deal on them down the road. But <clears throat> but we, there, besides the abandoned construction sites, there was no active construction. And now, uh, driving through areas like Deltona and things like that, even uh, even out by us, there's construction sites all over the place. And that's good. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's good. I know a lot of people want things to stay the same. They moved there because it was a Country, quiet neighborhood, yeah. and now it's not a quiet neighborhood. But, we get that here in Osteen all the time. Yeah. Oh, no. And over where we're at, it's, it's, no, it's no different. But at the end of the day, I think it's that's it's just it's coming, and everybody should embrace it. You're, it'll drive your property value up really high. If you don't like it, you can sell your house go and go live in the country. Yeah, like, exactly. Somewhere yeah. else. You know, it'll... It's not going to hurt you, but, um, but yeah, there's a lot of that going on in our neighborhood and then on the Facebook community, Facebook sites and things like that. There's a lot of people that are just not happy, not happy with it, but, um, we're happy with it. It was, uh, we moved out there with the 
you know, pretty obvious guess that it was going to do that with the new construction coming through for the for the expressway and everything like that. We just knew it was a matter of time. So we bought our house out there, and um, it's already gone up substantially in value. How how close to these hospitals? I, I got to I got to get close to this mic here. Oh, yeah. How close to these hospitals? You've been fine, but how close do these hospitals get? Like, look at these the residential market like do they have a real estate agent do they have an office do they they subcontract how do they how what is do you know anything about that so i mean i can it's not really my area but i can give you a general sense um they they're uh you know they're looking for they get mailers of they get information on who moves into the area who moves out um they have mailing lists that target people by you know like Oh, you know, by different age groups. So, like, if you get something from them, it's more appropriate to something you might be interested in. You know, if they're not going to send a ten-year-old or you know any mail, and they're definitely not going to send a twenty-one-year-old like a hypertension flyer. Right. You know what I mean? So, um, maybe me as a twenty-one-year-old. Yeah. But maybe that's not the you know, so <laughs> make sure that okay, this guy should have a bad back by now. <laughs> send him some <laughs> Tylenol ads or something, you know, or whatever. You know, that's how the companies. Work, Man, you know? I, I tell you, I used to work insurance, and we would work off life expectancies. Yeah, and it was horrible. Like I, you're just you're. Like, oh, let me find the least life expectancy I can find, so I can get that for sure payment. I was like, I had to get out of it. That's, I went from that job to fire, to, to chasing after dead people to help you know people live. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I, I, it's kind of funny, but yeah. So they, you know, just try to target people with adding stuff that might be relevant and. Uh, it's it's really just um, it, they get creative. It's all sorts of stuff. So There's, how do they find their? You know how they find their land? Well, yeah. I mean, they they're looking at a lot of things to make decisions or to look for areas. A lot of it is uh, how many people are moving into that area, how fast that area is growing. If there's any, uh, they, they they look for things that might help them anticipate that, such as you know a highway coming through an area, making it more accessible, things like that. Well, you know, more people are going to start moving out there once it becomes more accessible. Traffic counts, all that good stuff. All I that stuff. That. So, and then they also look at um, uh, information that they, as much information that they can get about competitors and what they're doing and how many uh, patients they're seeing. You know, you know, a day or a month or a week, whatever it is. So I guess I mean I guess my question is from a real estate agent's perspective. How would I be able to get into a hospital or, or can I get into a hospital's, you know, help, uh, be able to find land for them? Is that even possible or do they have their own? Well, like- you know, obviously hospitals need people. Um, so if you know that there's, uh, you know, let's say, well, in the next five years, they're predicting five planned communities are going to come up here, like, uh, you know, HOA neighborhoods. And you're like, okay, well, that's going to, they're doing that because, People are coming, you know, the demand's there, so they're building. And you know that this population is going to double in the next 10 years for this little town because now there's a highway that runs through it. Uh, so you, you find a place that's accessible, it's easy to see, good frontage. You know, you buy the property there, and that's... that's kind of foresee the future and be like, yeah, hey, guys, this, be, this is what I exactly. have here. And, and then, you know, sometimes hospitals will buy the land and do the same thing, hold on to it for years just because they know they're making predictions that hey this is a good investment right now i know i know in, in osteen uh it's a, it's a country town out here in florida now it's just north of sanford that there a venice health used to be called florida hospital used to own some land just up here at 415 and howland and i think they sold it off because they had 
you know, they're they're going to put a hospital. Everybody hears that. Oh, a hospital's coming. I was like, no, I, don't, I haven't heard anything about the hospital. Yeah, there was. There's been some talks like that. Just sometimes the hospital, maybe the hospital corporations just want to buy some land. You know what I mean? So they have like a whole department, probably just land oh, yeah, development. Yeah. Absolutely, they, you know, for looking for like business development. Looking at uh, how would I find them? <clears throat> how, how would I feel like them? yeah? Do I walk into the like? Is there a main office I can go they, into? Of these they places? would be primarily out of uh, the corporate headquarters, or I'm sorry, the division headquarters in Tallahassee. Oh, and they're in there typically uh, serve the entire division, so gotcha. North Florida uh, area for uh, for most divisions. You know, I got you. I got you. So basically, the, the divisional hospitals are going to be the ones that. The main offices of each of each hospital, they're going to have their own kind of real estate department where they're going to, you know, really focus on the future and, and really hitting these things, uh, trying to expand. I mean, I, I mean, there, there's going to be a time where you can't build anymore. Yeah, it's going to happen. Do they? I mean, do, at that time, I mean, I can't. I mean, I can't imagine them just. Stopping. I feel like they're going to go to Georgia. You know, ten, I mean, it's going to keep growing and growing and growing. But there's, there's major hospitals up there even that, that own that territory. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, this this area is pretty pretty rich with resources when it comes to healthcare, um, especially the Central Florida area. Uh, you know, you've if you ever taken a long road trip, you know, there's many parts of the country where you're nowhere near a hospital, <clears throat> well, especially one that's. Uh, if you have a specialty like a trauma or something like that, you're nowhere near a trauma center. It's hours. Sometimes it's, it has to be done by helicopter. Uh, that's one thing to look at, too, is the distance between these level one. I, I, I keep getting away from the mic. These, you know, these distance between level one and, you know, level two trauma hospitals. And, and if you don't know the difference between level one or level two, it's really burns and so crane and head injuries. No, it's it's not so much head injuries as it is um, uh, level one hospital typically does some research that the level twos don't because of the needed requirement for research. So they're doing different studies and it meets the criteria for a level one. They're also a teaching hospital, so they they take uh, you know they partner with a college and so most time so basically what you're telling me is if you get in an accident and you're about to die and you go to one of these level one hospitals that are a teaching hospital you're going to get a student sometimes sometimes depending on how how severe you are that, that should make if, you feel safe if you are like i mean if you're like if you're bad bad you're going to see an experienced uh trauma surgeon but uh for the lower less immediate injured first. people you know like maybe it's just a real st stable 55 year old with a tib fib you know, you're probably going to get somebody who's somewhere in their learning, you know, in the, in the course of learning how to be a doctor. Now, probably a fourth year, something like that. Do you see more hospitals popping up or more uh, standalone? Like uh, the, the quickie D, you know, the, the what, are, I guess, what are they called? Standalone ERs? Yeah, the standalone ERs. They're the, uh, do, you think, do you see more of those coming or do you see more hospitals? Well, or right now, both the kind of right, man, right now they are freestanding ERs are the hot ticket. Everybody's Why? building them because they're inexpensive to build. You don't need a lot of land. Um, you can commute. You can always transport them to there, which is an extra fee. Yeah, no, with, we don't. We don't. You know, with it's, I know this is something that's common throughout the Orlando area for all the, the hospitals, but 
most of the hospitals are willing to cover the costs, the transport costs and everything else from from the freestanding ERs to the main campus. Because it's uh wait, hosp- wait, 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 wait. So wait, wait. See, we're always under the impression that we can't go to these, you know, standalone ERs because they're gonna get an extra cost of transport from one hospital to the next. Yeah, no, I know the uh standard set by the big hospital in the area has always been um that 100% of the patient's costs are covered as long as they stay within network. And that's typical of any, that's pretty much a standard now. Everybody does that. So we're not trying to pass costs onto the patient. That way there's not like, uh, we want to take that fear away from EMS to, and the patient to know that if they needed to be transferred to the main hospital, cause maybe they're going to be admitted or stay the night, they're not also going to get a secondary bill from. I know from my, my perspective as a, as a paramedic, you know, I, I feel I'm very knowledgeable and paramedic. I'm very, I did a lot of studying, you know, I did a lot of reading. I have a lot of experiment, 13, almost 13 years now doing it. I feel the, the best care for that patient is not with me yeah. <laughs> at, at all. You know what I'm saying? Like I want to get them to that doctor and I want the closest doctor available. I don't care if it's at a house. Like I'm going to take that. Yeah. I want to go to the closest doctor. The, um, so about the, a 10 year degree to a one year degree, yeah. you know, they're, they are f- very capable nowadays. These these freestanding ERs, uh, some more than others, but uh, they're all fairly capable. They have the tools they need to stabilize unstable people. Because even though like EMS people have protocol that says, "Hey, th- this shouldn't go to a freestanding ER. This should go here." That's the medical directors. They set those protocols and. Uh, Usually they're the, the common sense things. You know, you shouldn't bring a trauma alert to a freestanding ER. You shouldn't bring a, uh, you know, you shouldn't bring a, a, a comp- somebody who needs comprehensive stroke ser- uh, services to a freestanding ER. Things like that because they're better served just going straight to the comprehensive stroke center. Um, so there's, I mean, there's a lot to take into account when you're looking yeah. at it for land or you're looking for if you if you're looking for an investment, you're trying to find land for a hospital or you're you're trying to get into that that niche of you know lane acquisition consultant for hospitals right you know looking at the the 35 mile distance you know max or looking at these you know the capabilities looking at the the demographics of the the future housing it's a huge algorithm that most people are not even even thinking of when they're looking at investment at all. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot that goes into it. But uh, at the end of the day, most hospitals are just like any other business. They're going to move to places that are going to let them do what they're doing. You know, they can't do that for free and they definitely can't do it at a loss. So uh, if there's a market that will support that hospital, there's a prediction for it, um, then they'll, they'll, they'll take their gamble. And, well, here's the big question is that, you know, we always know there's ups and downs. Right, right. now we're at the ups of hospitals. And it's gonna, we're at an all-time high. When that downtime comes, what are we going to do with these extra buildings? What are they? Because we're going to be like these big box stores. We're gonna, there's going to be a new trend. But until then, though, I'm going to bring you back in here, <laughs> and we're, we're going to be talking about that because – we know it's coming. We know we know the future is going to be down. Right now, we're bullish for, how, I mean, so many years. It's, we're past due for, for way the bubble past, to burst. Way, uh, way yeah, past The question due. is how how bad. But, yeah, exactly you know, so. But we're past, we're kind of living on time now, borrowed time. So, But it's good. Right now, it's good. So that's all they're really looking at is what's going to happen right now and in the next 
you know, few years, you know, because they need to make back their initial investment plus see how much money they're going to be making over that or how long it's going to take them for, to make money. For, but if it's a good place, maybe it won't make money for two or three years, but they know in the next, you know, four or five, six years, it's going to be making a lot of money because there's going to be a lot of people that need services in that area. So, I mean, I know it's increased for us. It's ridiculous, but it makes you want to get into the hospital network. But Pat, I appreciate everything you've done. You have given a wealth of knowledge and I'm sure that I know that I had no idea. There's certain things in here that I've never even heard of. And I'm in the business of transporting and hospitals. So man, just hearing a little bit of, of what you said and, I mean, I, I'd love to have you in again, but I mean, I appreciate you coming in and, and getting this going because I know that the past few shows that I've had, if, these people that have listened to these past few shows, it's been brutal. <laughs> I mean, it's just been me. I mean, I was at the station yesterday talking about this thing, reading off a list as tones were going off and cars were driving by. I mean, it was, uh, I feel bad for it. So I apologize <laughs> to, the, to the listeners, all six of you. Uh, I apologize. <laughs> and uh, I, like I said, we're going to bring more people like Pat in here. But Pat, I appreciate my brother. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate it, man. Thanks you have a good one. Me. Again, if you guys listen to us, follow us, share, please. Florida Real Estate Development Podcast. Talk to you next time.